Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, Ryan hopping in to ask a huge favor. Ratings and reviews are the lifeblood of independent podcasting. We only gain visibility and new listeners by getting featured on different podcast platforms. And we only get featured by more ratings and reviews. You see where this is going. Here's some recent reviews of the podcast over on Apple. Drew and Bro says, Five stars, the Mount Rushmore of UFO podcasts. The research, writing, and production value on this podcast are top-notch. One of the best UFO podcasts out there. JW83D says, Five stars. Unlike so many of its peers, the show is rarely campy or hokey, while often maintaining a lighthearted vibe. I really like the intro song and the background music, especially during the documentary-style episodes. I really like the listener stories also. LZD says, Five stars. Great interviews. The aerial phenomenon episode was interesting on so many levels. It led me to the documentary, and now I can't stop thinking about it. And lastly, from JK, five stars, a must for UFO UAP enthusiasts. Somewhere in the Skies never lets me down. I'm a longtime listener and can't wait for the new show each week. I recommend it to anyone interested in this phenomenon. Thank you so much to everyone who has rated and reviewed. And if you haven't, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get the show. And if it's an option, rate, review, follow, or subscribe. It truly helps more than you know. Thank you so much. And keep looking up. Throughout the history of the Somewhere in the Skies podcast, we've covered hundreds of UFO cases. And within those cases, we've tackled controversial topics, such as UFOs paralyzing witnesses, or the alleged abductions of human beings by aliens. We've even explored the most rare of cases, where during abductions, people decided to fight back. But almost just as rare are those cases where people claimed positive experiences. Some even claimed they were healed of injuries, ailments, and diseases. Today, we'll look at several of those cases and ask the question, were these mysterious miracles done at the hands of human ingenuity, sheer coincidence and happenstance, or by the hands of some sort of god? Or could they possibly have been performed by cosmic occupants said to have come from somewhere in the skies? This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Diphtheria 
is a serious infection caused by strains of bacteria that make toxins. It can lead to difficulty breathing, heart rhythm problems, and even death. And unfortunately, Alice Haggerty of Trenton, New Jersey, was struck with this disease. Only a young child at the time, and because of her religious background, she had not been vaccinated against this disease. And for the same religious reasons, her parents refused to take her to the hospital. However, they did call in a doctor who said that Alice's condition was in fact very serious. But still, Alice's parents refused to seek conventional treatment. Over the next two weeks, Alice's condition deteriorated so much that the doctor began to visit her daily. And by the end of those two weeks, he told Alice's mother that he did not expect her to live through the night. But there was something about Alice that the doctor didn't know, and something she had never told anyone else. She was an alleged UFO contactee. And on this particular night that she was presumed to not survive, she would state the following about what happened. I was taken on board by friendly ETs, which, at the time, I believed were angels in white robes with silver belts. I remember being transported into a small rounded room where the ETs told me I would be cured. They waved a small rod-like device around my body and then had me stand inside a large blue cylinder with a little window. The ETs watched me as a bright light was emitted from the top of this machine until it was about eight inches from the top of my head. The light then retracted and then I was instructed to exit the cylinder. The ETs informed me in a matter-of-fact manner that I was now cured and cleansed. The next morning, Alice's mother found her playing on the floor as if everything was normal. Alice was ordered into bed by her mother and her doctor, but both quickly realized that her condition was completely gone. Later in life, having experienced many other contacts with these alleged ETs, Alice believed that this first experience was in fact a genuine contact with extraterrestrials, and that they had cured her of this often fatal disease. The next case takes place in Gainesville, Florida, with a man named Jim Law. Law, appropriately an attorney by trade, would state the following about what happened to him. Sometime in the later part of the year 2000, I began having a strange dull pain in my left groin area. I passed it off as having possibly strained myself working out at the gym, and I hoped that whatever I had done would just go away. For several months after, I dealt with it. Sometimes it didn't bother me, but it got really aggravated whenever I worked out. I began to suspect I had a hernia, and I made an appointment for a full physical in November of that year, Dr. Fine at Gainesville, Florida performed a full physical and determined that I had a hernia and recommended that I see a urologist for further consultation. I made the appointment with a person by the name of Dr. Sendon. Dr. Sendon performed an examination and determined that I had an inguinal hernia on the left side. He recommended surgery as soon as possible. The surgery date was set for February 23, 2001 at the Surgical Group of Gainesville. I was to arrive at 10.30 a.m. for pre-op before the 12.30 p.m. surgery, it was to be a mesh repair for the hernia in my left groin. About a week or so before the surgery, Jim awoke in the middle of the night with a strange feeling that something or someone other than his girlfriend was in the room. This was a feeling Jim had many times before, 
having claimed a history of encounters with UFOs and their alleged occupants. In fact, in 1963, when he was about five years old, he saw a UFO hovering over Lake Minnetonka in Minnesota. That was his first clue that there was something strange happening. He'd have more encounters in his 30s, and he began having really weird experiences, such as his burglar alarm being triggered in the middle of the night, or things being moved in his home with no signs of a break-in or memory of moving anything. He developed an unexplained fear of intruders after all of this. But it wasn't until this incident in 2001, when he sensed a presence in his room, that he really began to connect the dots. I saw three figures, gray-colored, with big almond eyes. They entered the room, apparently through the wall. At first I was startled, but I got a grip on my feelings, slowed my heart rate, and I told them, if you wish to continue visiting me, then you need to do something for me, or I will make you go away. I think they understood what I meant. One of them said to me, we know of your condition you have, we will help you. One of these figures then pointed a shiny object about a foot long at the area of my hernia. I don't remember feeling anything. I do remember asking them why they visited me like this, and one of them said that they were interested in me because I had the genetic potential to live a long time. I must state for fact that my grandfather is a very healthy 105-year-old born in 1898. He has lived in three centuries and works out in the yard every day. He walks out a cane and looks better than most 80-year-olds. Also, his mother and her sister lived 109 years old, so I can see why they would be interested. And with that, Jim soon realized that his hernia had completely gone away. When he was re-examined by his doctors, they were completely mystified as to how this could have happened. But after several more checkups and a second opinion, Jim was completely in the clear. Whether a medical anomaly or not, one thing was certain, at least for Jim. To this day, I do not have a hernia. I truly believe this is a very well-verified case of healing through contact with what I believe was extraterrestrial intervention. The following case comes from a former Air Force officer by the name of Michael Thomas Knox and took place in Irvine, California at the Hotel Irvine during a UFO conference. This occurred September 24th to September 27th, 2015. Michael was an active MUFON field investigator and was attending the conference. On the first night, he retired to his hotel room. At this time, he had recently torn his Achilles tendon in his left leg. Doctors told him that it was in fact completely separated and that he needed surgery. It wouldn't heal on its own. But the next morning, Knox woke up to quite a surprise. His leg was no longer in any pain, and he felt completely healed. Stranger, however, was a distinct triangular mark he found on his leg. When he told several other of the conference attendees about waking up with a healed leg, his roommate for the conference, a woman we'll call Melissa, had quite a story to tell about what had happened that night to Knox. I came into the room around 11 p.m., and Michael Knox was already asleep. I fell asleep quickly around midnight. At some point, I was woken up, and I felt like I was floating out of the hotel room. 
I remember standing outside of the hotel room on the rooftop, looking back into the window at Michael lying in his bed inside the room. With him, I could see three gray aliens standing by his bed, holding his leg and giving him some sort of injection. I was pounding on the window, yelling for him to wake up. He began fighting them, kicking and yelling, and then soon... We were both taken up along with several other people that I recognized from the conference. We were taken up inside a cigar-shaped craft. All of us were then placed in chairs, which resembled beauty salon chairs with hair dryers above them. We were all restrained in the chairs and the parts that looked like a hair dryer, but then they were placed over each one of our heads. I had the impression that these greys were allowing the people in the chairs to transfer mental information between each other. Melissa counted at least 20 greys on board this craft, and after the apparent information transfer, some of the people were physically examined, after which everyone was returned to their respective hotel rooms. Later that morning, Melissa would tell Michael of what had happened, but Michael remembered nothing other than sleeping throughout the night. But something had clearly happened, which healed his leg. Together, Melissa and Michael got a black light and used it to examine their hotel room. What they found would leave Michael speechless. On his leg, he found strange phosphorescent particles. These particles were also found on Melissa's pajamas, her bed, and various other spots throughout the room. But the most bizarre thing was when they found what appeared like three strange fingerprints on Michael's leg. After describing these experiences to other members at the conference, several would tell Melissa and Michael that they had seen a large UFO over the hotel that very same night. Whether all of this was some sort of shared hysteria of believers enabling one another at a UFO conference or maybe just simple misinterpretations of different events happening at similar times, one thing was for certain. Michael Knox had somehow completely been cured of his torn Achilles tendon injury. It just so happened to be at a UFO conference. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following case concerns an anonymous young boy in Peru who had injured himself very badly during a fall. He unfortunately also lapsed into a coma. The main witness to this healing and case was an engineer by the name of Viktor Kapitonovic. On March 10, 1960, in the region of Calajón de Huelas, Victor came across a family in the small remote village as he was passing through. One of the parents told Victor that their son had fallen from a cliff and was apparently dying of his injuries. Victor, for reasons he couldn't readily explain, asked if he could see the young boy. The parents agreed and brought him to the boy, who was lying on the floor in a hut, not moving at all. Victor would state the following about the experience with the boy. His swollen face had taken a bluish color by the infections. His eyes were half-closed, his mouth half-open, with his tongue and lips swollen. He looked terrible. I bent down to examine the boy and could barely detect a pulse. I noticed that the boy was, in fact, in a comatose state and The closest hospital was many, many miles away. I offered to transport the child. His mother angrily refused and explained that the gods from the sky would take care of my son. I was confused and I asked my guide what she meant by this. He would go on to explain to me that the locals were often in contact with UFO beings whom they called sky gods. Victor was intrigued because he himself had seen several strange objects while traveling through the region. Discs, to be exact. I decided to stay and see if this was true. Would these sky gods actually show up to heal this boy? Soon, the skies filled with clouds, and suddenly, the boy's parents begin shouting and pointing to the clouds, and that's when Victor saw it. It was a disc-shaped apparatus, similar to a small airplane. It uh, dropped out of the clouds and landed silently among the herd of sheep and goats below. A door opened and... (laughs) A figure emerged. It was a woman. She looked entirely human, though her skin was quite pale and uh, she was very short. She was dressed in a full body suit, unlike anything I'd seen before. She floated towards us in the hut, a few inches off the ground. At this point, my guide and the family dropped to their knees and began to pray. The woman motioned for them to rise. She then scooped up the young boy and carried him into the landed craft. Then the door to the craft 
closed. After several minutes, the door opened, and what Victor saw next completely shocked him. It was the boy. He descended alone from a, a ladder of the craft, and when he made it to the ground, he ran towards us, showing no signs of injury. I was in such disbelief that I, I thought maybe it was a different boy. Maybe they had taken another boy in the craft, and he was now coming out, but... Uh, I watched as his mother ran toward him, shouting in emotion, and embraced him. I looked the boy over, and there was no sign of any previous injuries. It was... a miracle. At this point, the woman from the craft exited and approached the group. Victor began to speak to her, asking who she was. She would tell him that her name was Ivanka. She invited him on board the craft. He curiously obliged and was given a tour. There, he would meet several other members of this strange race of human-like people. They conversed with him for over an hour. They explained to me that they were here to heal the earth but that they couldn't keep up with the pain and destruction that humans were causing one another and the destruction we were causing to the planet itself. It was a very somber moment. They guided me out of the craft, said goodbye, and they left. Victor would claim that he had frequent contact with these beings after this event. He would help spread their messages of future destruction of Earth, and would do everything he could to try to help heal the world like they had done that day with a young boy in Peru. This next case took place just outside of Paris, France, and involved a radio engineer by the name of Gilbert Camille. Gilbert was suffering from liver disease, which was becoming progressively worse. As an engineer, he spent his time between two different shops that he owned. While traveling between shops one morning, he had experienced something that really frightened him. On March 5, 1971, at approximately 1 a.m., he was driving down the road when he noticed a strange light ahead of him. He first thought it might be the lights of the town he was heading towards, but as he continued driving, he realized the lights were actually coming from the woods in the distance. The closer he got to the lights, he noticed that they were actually eight different lights, located in front of the woods by a large meadow on the side of the road. The lights were laid out regularly at ground level, parallel with the edge of the forest. They were rectangular in shape and a soft bluish color, and they seemed to be connected to something. Gilbert would describe the following. I could barely make it out except that I could see the moonlight reflecting off the surface. It was a craft of some sort. It was gray and metallic. It had uh, small windows as well. It was like a half-sphere, uh, flattened. I'd say it was about uh, 30 feet in height and maybe about 50 feet wide. But as startling as the craft was, Gilbert would be just as startled moments later when he saw something else. I saw three creatures. They were heading towards me from a small slope between the woods and the road. 
They were on all fours, crawling on their arms and legs. They were quite large. They had uh, tan-colored skin with uh, huge insect-like heads, almost like a mantis. As they approached, they all stopped at once, staring straight at me. As the moon got brighter, I could see that it wasn't just three of these creatures. There were at least twenty in total. Some of them were standing upright, while others were on all fours, as if they were looking for something on the ground. I could hear nothing other than my car. As I continued driving slowly, I noticed a pale blue beam of light which shone on the back of my car. The light then began to illuminate the entire woods around me. As Gilbert looked out his rearview mirror, he could see that the light was now being projected right at his car. He could see that the creatures were all around him, behind him, to both sides and in front. He was absolutely petrified at this point. And then the beam of light hit him. The fear of the moment completely left me, and it also felt like everything was taken control of. I could not steer the vehicle. I could not speed up or slow down. Nothing. The hood had become fluorescent as well. At this moment, the car was completely out of my control, and I became very disoriented. Gilbert doesn't remember much after this. He does remember reaching his home and going inside. When he prepared to go to sleep that night, he removed his clothes to take a shower and noticed something strange on the left side of his shirt. There was about seven or eight marks in the shape of a rectangle. These were about five centimeters in size. They seemed almost gold in color and a little bit phosphorescent. The marks faded within minutes, and with that, Gilbert went to sleep. The next morning, Gilbert decided he would go back to the area with his son to see if he could find any trace of what had happened. At first, he found nothing, but the closer he looked in the area where the beans had been seen, he immediately saw that the grass had been crushed down in a sort of half-spherical shape, about 30 feet in length. Gilbert, remembering that it was so cold that night that it actually snowed, now noticed that the area where this spherical shape was was devoid of any snow. His son touched the area and said it was actually very warm to the touch. It was at this point that Gilbert saw something else that was rather strange. There are strange footprints all around the area. They looked like that of shoes, except there were no heels in the prints. And they were very large. But this wasn't it. Gilbert noticed something else, which was very odd. This area was known for large patches of dandelions that would grow on the roadside. And even though there was light snow, I could tell from seeing the surrounding area that where the sphere was in the ground, there was no flowers at all. As if they had all been picked. But it wasn't so much the dandelions missing that caught Gilbert's interest. I had remembered from speaking to many gardeners throughout the years that dandelions have many medicinal qualities, such as uh, antioxidants and uh, anti-inflammatory qualities. And when I found the strange marks on my shirt, it reminded me of when you'd uh, sometimes fall into patches of flowers and they would leave smudges uh, or remnants uh, on your skin or the claws. It looked very similar to the color of dandelions. The other odd thing was that I had a coat on during the event, but these markings had somehow only ended up on my shirt underneath. 
Prior to the event, Gilbert was having very painful headaches constantly. He also had little to no appetite. Due to his liver disease, his health was so bad that he'd reached the point of deep depression and just did not want to go on anymore. But something happened after the incident that night. Directly after this event, my headaches had ceased and my appetite had returned. And as the days went on, I just felt better and better. But most importantly, after a few meetings with my doctors, they had informed me that my liver disease had completely disappeared. They, as well as I, were completely dumbfounded. So was this encounter with these four-legged creatures somehow responsible for Gilbert's sudden health returning to normal? Were the medicinal dandelions used in some way to help heal him? While it may be a stretch, Gilbert believes so. Whatever happens at night on that road was the reason I am alive today. I have no doubt of that. I don't know what they were, where they came from, or what they did to me. But I am truly grateful, and uh, I would not trade it for anything. The Travis Walton UFO incident made international headlines when, on November 5th, 1975, Walton, along with six co-workers, were on their way home after a long day of felling and piling trees in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest in Arizona. Just after sunset, as they drove along the bumpy forest road, they noticed an unusual light emanating through the tree line ahead. As they got closer to the light source, they discovered that it was coming from a 20-foot-long metallic craft, which hung motionless about 20 feet above the forest floor. The 23-year-old Travis Walton's curiosity got the better of him, and he jumped out of the stationary truck and stood directly beneath the incredible machine to get a better look. Suddenly, the object began to wobble and vibrate before shooting out a beam of intense light, which hit Travis, knocking him clean off his feet and tossing him through the air like a rag doll. His friends departed in a blind panic before returning shortly after to find him gone. Travis was missing for five days and the others were accused of his murder. Fortunately, he arrived home in time to save them from further scrutiny. What Travis Walton experienced on board that craft is well documented in his book, The Travis Walton Experience, which led to a blockbuster Hollywood movie, Fire in the Sky, released in 1993. Walton claimed to have witnessed three gray aliens on board the ship, and later, during the event, he met human-looking beings who he described as being smooth-skinned and blemishless. What was truly never discussed, however, was the motivations of these aliens when Travis was on board their supposed craft. The same craft that had hit him with a beam of light and left him for dead. Literally. Walton now believes that this beam of light ended his life. But clearly... This wasn't the end of the experience, and certainly not the end of Travis Walton. In an interview with Open Minds TV, Walton expressed the following about that night. I'm thinking now that uh, the reason I was taken aboard was because it, there was no choice. I would have, uh, I would have been dead. 
I used to sort of accept the terminology abduction, but now I'm calling it more of an ambulance call. I really think it was an accident. I don't think they were firing at me or, you know, trying to, you know, stun me or punish me or anything like that. I think it was some kind of a, an effect of the propulsion. They were powering up to, to leave uh, and just get away from us. And I raised up and got too close, and I think some kind of energy just found its way to ground. In hindsight, you know, I'm thinking that a lot of the terror and, and a lot of the fear that I was reacting with and the pain I was experiencing had nothing to do with anything that was being inflicted on me, and it was just sort of an accident of circumstance. Circumstance seems to be a key word when it comes to each of these stories. Were these individuals who were suffering in their own ways cured and healed by some sort of alien intervention? Did the lens in which they viewed their experience dramatically influence their perception of something more medically or scientifically based? There's no one answer, and each struggled with not only how they were healed, but why. Like many who survive traumatic events, medical emergencies, or life-threatening ordeals, there's often a challenging emotional journey of how one decides to live their life after the event. And for Alice, Jim, Michael, the young boy of Peru, Gilbert, and Travis Walton, that journey and those answers will be completely different, profound, and arguably may lay somewhere in the skies. The stories of alien and UFO healings doesn't end here. Over on Patreon, we explore the fascinating and mysterious case of the healing of Dr. X. Head on over to Patreon right now to hear this bonus episode and many others. To listen and to learn more, visit patreon.com slash somewhereskies. This episode was co-researched by Preston Dennett. To learn more, visit his website or follow him on Twitter at Preston E. Dennett. Links are in the show notes. Special thanks to our voiceover talents in this episode. Lenita Elder, Brent Hand, Karina Yobel, Alex Perone, and Christopher Susie. To learn more about them, visit the links in our show notes as well. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.